0: Well, hello, everybody. This is Pastor Casey back with another episode this week of our Sermon Talk Back podcast series. Uh, In our sermon on Sunday, which we distributed via video because our services were canceled because of the snow and ice here in Salem, we got a number of good questions in response to that sermon. And so I answered two of those in a previous podcast which you can find just before this one on our channel. And now I'm going to answer one more this week. And so this one concerns the nature of Jesus. And of course, in, our, uh, in the sermon, we were looking at Jesus as a 12-year-old boy. And one of the key themes with regard to that sermon was that, well, one of the things that this passage demonstrated was that Jesus was truly human like in every way. He had to grow up as a human. Uh, He had to learn. He had to grow. He had to do all of those sorts of things. We talked in our last podcast about how uh, this balances a bit with the divinity of Christ, the deity of Christ, which that passage also showed that he was the son of God, that God was his unique father. And we looked in our last episode of this podcast about how uh, Jesus accomplished much of the miracles and the teaching and the things that he did by relying on the Holy Spirit. This was part of what it meant for Jesus to uh to empty himself. You know he had to learn he had to grow he had to depend on God in his human form. But we have another question here that concerns uh Jesus being both divine and human, and it's about the necessity of Jesus being divine and human. So let me just read it here. It says, Why is it necessary, in the sense of Jesus being the perfect sacrifice for our sins and our redemption, that he be fully God and fully man? And then it says, Wondering this specifically in the context of those who believe Jesus was a creation of God the Father, and why that would invalidate Jesus as a perfect sacrifice. So that second part of the question there, adding the context, uh, shows that this is not just a theoretical question. You know, why did Jesus have to be fully God and fully man? Uh, It's a real question with real world implications because there are segments uh, of people that would call themselves Christians in some sense that do not believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man in the same way that, that we have been teaching uh, in, uh, in our church and that we believe that the scriptures teach. And so of course the most, uh, readily apparent example of this would be with the Jehovah's witnesses. Uh, the Jehovah's witnesses believe that Jesus is a creation of God, the father, that he, uh, is actually the same as Michael, the archangel. And they would say that, yes, all things were created through Christ, uh after god first created him so god first created jesus and then through jesus created everything we would say, we would say no we we disagree with that we do not believe that jesus was created we believe that jesus was eternal and that he was eternally one with the father and so this question is a good one because it asks why does that difference matter if we want you know jesus to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins and for our redemption why does it matter that he is fully god and fully man and so i did a i don't do a lot of research typically for for these podcasts uh, i don't have time to do uh, a lot of research on them but i will read things occasionally with regard to this and uh, in reading on this subject i came across a short article that directed Uh, the reader's attention to uh, the Heidelberg Catechism. And so we don't always use uh, catechisms, you know, in our ministry. We would recommend the use of them, but we haven't implemented those uh, across our church. So the Heidelberg Catechism, of course, was a Uh, 16th century reformed catechism. And if you don't know what a catechism is, it is a series of questions and answers that teach you about the Christian faith. And so in the Heidelberg catechism, there are two questions that regard this. One, the first one is this, why must Jesus be a true and righteous man? Okay, so why does Jesus have to be a man? And the answer there that they supply is he must be a true man because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which has sinned should pay for sin. And he must be a righteous man because one who himself is a sinner, he cannot pay for others. So that question there, why must Jesus be a true and righteous man? He has to be a man because he's paying for the sins of mankind. And it doesn't do any good to pay for the sins of mankind uh, unless the one offering to pay is a man. So he must be a true man and he must be a righteous man because if he is a sinner, then he cannot pay for the sins of others because he has to uh, pay for his own sins. And so this all comes back to uh, Hebrews 2. Uh, We have quoted this in a number of ways at a number of occasions already in our church, but Hebrews 2 and verse 17, speaking of Jesus, saying, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So we see that there, with uh, uh, with Jesus, that he had to become human so that he could be a sacrifice for our sins, because. We who have committed sins are human. So he had to be made like us so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest. He had to identify with us. He had to uh, suffer in our place. He had to sympathize with us, uh, even in our weakness and in our shortcomings. Uh, But moving on to the question of why did Jesus have to be truly God the Heidelberg Catechism answers that this way. Why must he also be true God? And it says this, So that by the power of his divinity he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity and earn for us and restore to us righteousness and life. And I think this is a great answer. Let me read it again. Why must Jesus be true God? So that by the power of his divinity he might bear the weight of God's anger in his humanity and earn for us and restore to us righteousness and And life. This is saying that Jesus had to be truly God in order to be our perfect sacrifice because only one who is truly God would be strong enough to bear the weight of God's wrath against sin. And I think this is an excellent point and one that we might not consider. Uh, all that often, but the reality is that the wrath of God requires a divine sacrifice, requires an eternal sacrifice, because the wrath of God is itself uh, infinite. And we can see this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7, uh, 7 through 9. Let's see, Paul is talking here about how the Thessalonians have been saved, how they are considered worthy of the kingdom of God now. And he's talking about what God has done for them and what God uh, is doing for them. And in verse 7, he says, uh, "...to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God." and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. So Paul says that because you are saved, he says to the Thessalonians, because you are saved, you will be spared from the wrath of God. But those who are not saved, those who are still in their sins will be subject to the wrath of God. And he describes that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 as this, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. So that idea there of eternal destruction that God's wrath in this sense is infinite. And so a finite being could not fully absorb that on behalf of others. But Jesus himself, being infinite, could absorb the infinite wrath of God. If Jesus is a created being, even if he is the first created being, then Jesus is not himself infinite. And so he would not be an adequate sacrifice For our sins. Uh, Eric Raymond, in his article on the Gospel Coalition, where he summarized these statements of the Heidelberg Catechism, he said this at the end, if you want it in shorthand the Redeemer had to be truly human. Why? In order to suffer and sympathize. And he had to be truly divine. Why? In order to satisfy and secure. To satisfy the wrath of God and to secure for us true righteousness, true life, true. Salvation. So that is a short answer to this one, that Jesus had to be uh, fully God and fully man in order to be our perfect sacrifice. And I know I've talked to people even in our own church who have made, who are making efforts to evangelize friends of theirs who are Jehovah's Witnesses. And I just hope that you are encouraged to continue in that good work. Uh, it can be difficult to break down these strongholds of belief. It can be difficult to uh, overcome uh, these sorts of obstacles and uh you know teachings that are long held but I would encourage you that it is worth it to keep reaching out to people to keep uh sharing the gospel with them. The good news because Jesus is fully God and fully man, it is good news that he came and he died for our sins. It's good news that he can absorb the wrath of God. It's good news that he can be our perfect righteousness. It's good news that he can sympathize with us as a true person. Uh, remember that what we are sharing is good news that all people need to hear. Sometimes it takes some time to to get people to see uh, the shortcomings of their own belief. It can take time to... Dismantle and to uh, tear down some of these arguments like those against Jesus being fully divine. But I would encourage you to keep at it in a patient way, in a gracious way, in a friendly way, and in a prayerful way so that people can come to know Christ and be saved as they see him for who he truly is. There is, of course, this isn't the scope of this podcast, but there is abundant scripture references that will show that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so when churches teach things like, no, Jesus is not fully God. He's a sub-deity. He's a creation of God. They are teaching against the scriptures. But what we have seen here is that that's not just a theoretical thing. It actually affects the salvation of people. Because if they don't believe that Jesus is fully God, and have they really understood what it means that he would take their place and take the wrath of God in their place? Uh, because again, he had to be infinite in order to absorb the infinite wrath of God. So I'm sure there are other ways of answering that question. I'm sure that this one will probably not uh, satisfy everyone, but I think that it is a good start. Uh, I loved those brief and succinct answers there of the Heidelberg Catechism. Let me read those once again. Why must he be a true and righteous man? He must be a true man because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which has sinned should pay for sin. He must be a righteous man because one who himself is a sinner cannot pay for others. And Why must he also be true God? so that by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's anger and his humanity and earn for us and restore to us righteousness and life. Those are some beautiful summaries there of biblical truth, and I would commend those to you for for further thought. Uh, but one thing also we should know is that the Jehovah's Witnesses are probably the greatest example today of a group that would present as christian but would present jesus as a created being as a sort of sub-deity to god but they are far from the first if you go way back into the early centuries of the church there was a group called the arians following a teacher named arius who taught that jesus was a created being and not eternal with the father and so of course the church in early councils and things addressed this, and one of the best voices on this subject was Athanasius. And if you are looking for a good read, it's a short book, uh, and it's Excellent. It holds up very well, even though it's written in the 4th century, like the 300s A.D. Athanasius's little book, On the Incarnation, is showing why it was necessary that Jesus would be fully God and fully man, talking with the same sort of people that we still meet today. There's nothing new under the sun, the problems that they were facing in the 4th century. We can find Uh, equivalent problems in our world today. So I would commend that to you as well. Uh, Athanasius on the incarnation. And if you find a newer version of it, it has a foreword by C.S. Lewis that is recommending why we should read old books. And really the foreword by Lewis is worth the price of the book itself because it is excellent. So Again, good question, uh, kind of a shorter answer here, but hopefully that is a good start to stimulate your thinking on the subject uh, that Jesus was fully God and fully man and praise God that he was so that he can be a perfect sacrifice for our sins and that he might be our great high priest that we can always go to in time of need.